Hello, everybody. Are you ready for a Bible study? Welcome, welcome to the show. This is Joseph Brownlee, your host of Collecting, Connecting the Dots. Joseph Brownlee, your host of Connecting the Dots. I was about to say Collecting the Dots. No, we don't want to collect them. We want to let them go and connect them. <laughs> okay. Welcome to Bible study. I'm going straight through it. I'm piggybacking, piggyback on the last verses I was teaching on in the last couple of podcasts that I've done on this show. Now, I'm going to say this right away because I want to get right into this teaching in its entirety. If you want to know the beginning and when I first started, you will have to go back to the last two podcasts. There's nothing else ahead of those two podcasts. The last two podcasts, you will want to go back to those podcasts from the beginning where I started off there. Uh, I'm not going to go all the way back what I talked about, but the best thing to do is just go go back to those last two podcasts and find the verses and everything that I went through there on that, you know, for time constraints. Sorry, I can't really elaborate on a lot of things right now, but because of time constraints, I'm going to get right into the teachings of the book of Colossians. Before I start, I want to say hello to all my listeners. That's in the United States and also internationally around the world. Hello, welcome to Connecting the Dots Bible Study. And I'm going to be studying out of the book of Colossians. Colossians has four chapters, four chapters, beautiful, encouraging chapters for the church, the body of Christ. The author is the Apostle Paul. The audience is the body of Christ, the believers. Okay, the author is the Apostle Paul, which is our apostle to the Gentiles. And the audience is the body of Christ. The reason I'm going that route because it's very important when you're trying to read the Bible who the author was and who was the audience and what he's uh, what is he talking to? Why did he why did he uh, why did he teach this and why is he going this route? You know and everything like this and where it was in uh, Asia Persia. Uh, 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 Colossae, which is kind of outside of Asia, Persia, and stuff like that. So all those things, you can just research and all those things you can just uh, learn about when you go back to my previous podcasts, okay? So right now, I can tell you this. This is just a short uh, breakdown of what Colossians is all about and why uh, and why uh, Paul is addressing the church, the body of Christ, and Colossae. What Colossae? Also, I want you to understand Paul was in prison. These are one of Paul's uh, post-prison letters. You know, I told you about the letters when he was in prison. Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, those things, the ones in Galatians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and all those other ones. He was not in prison, but the uh, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, you know, 1st and 2nd Timothy, etc., stuff like that is, are his prison letters. Okay, and also, <clears throat> they also is are his advanced letters. He was like he knew the full hidden mystery in these letters. The ones before that was like he knew in parts because he talked about that in the Corinthians. But he he knew part. He had partial knowledge of the hidden mystery that Christ was revealing to him. And it was I don't know maybe it was quite a few years. Things did not hope happen overnight with Apostle Paul. So Jesus was continually revealing hidden knowledge to the Apostle Paul, only the Apostle Paul, okay? 
So this is more like his fullness of knowledge. These books right here, which is Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, etc., and stuff like that. They're more advanced knowledge. Therefore, they're more uh, geared toward the faithful uh the faithful believers in the church, which is at Colossae, okay? They're more mature believers. They're more believers that are standing in the faith. So this is like a more of a mature uh, teaching for the believers. Now, what I'm not saying is that if you're new in Christ, you cannot read it. No, I'm not just saying that. You can read all of Paul's letters, you know, and grow and learn from it. But I'm saying at that particular time, okay, at that particular time, these are faithful believers that Paul was addressing, addressing them in Colossae. So that's a little background for you right there. Okay, now what was he uh, addressing? I'm giving you about four points that Paul was addressing. First, there was a lot of false teaching. Paul heard there was a lot of false teaching going on, uh, going on then in Colossae, you know, from different sources. It was three different uh, false teaching sources that was kind of uh, misguiding the teachings that Paul already got uh, told the believers. So uh, they was kind of, I would say like this, when you hear a different type of teachings and you already know a certain way that was taught to you, and you have different teachers coming up there telling you one way, and then there's another one saying this way, and another one's telling you this is the right way. The same thing that happens to believers today. They, they hear so much noise. There's so much noise going on, and everybody seems to know what direction to go. So it can't, you're going to either be aggravated or irritated by it, or you're going you're gonna to come to the point and say, well, wow, maybe there's some truth in that. So I believe in this point, and this addressing, they was kind of leaning towards, you know, maybe it's some truth of what these teachers was talking about because it sounded good. And I like to use the term sexy. So I think they was being uh, influenced by these teachers. And what was the teachers that they was being influenced by? It was uh, one of them was Jewish legalism. Another one was uh, <clears throat> another one was Greek uh, philosophy. And then the third one was pagan mysticism. And some of, some of the uh, theologians call it oriental type of teachers. But those are the three. They was, dealing, they was uh, dealing with three different type of false teaching. Jewish legalism, I can imagine what that was. That's the law. They had to deal with them trying to uh, get back into the law and legalism and uh, circumcision and stuff like that. I believe that was that deal, right? That Judaism. The other one was Greek philosophy and the third one was uh, pagan mysticism. So all those was the deal with that. You know, that's why later on in this book, you will hear them talk. Paul had to get on them and everything like that about, you know, worshiping angels because I think that mysticism believe in worshiping angels and angels has some type of authority and stuff like that. But I'm not going to get ahead of my Myself. So that's very important to know that what these uh, these believers, these faithful believers was dealing with. You can be faithful and you can be standing in the truth and still be manipulated and influenced if you let them. These men is sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And I always put emphasis, there's a Holy Spirit working in an imperfect vessel. Therefore, you must stay on your feet. Paul called it the arm of God. We must have a whole arm of God in the spirit. We must be up on things, but because there will be different arrows and schemes that the enemy, Satan, will be throwing, on, throwing at you because of your faith. Now, 
Satan's minions will not attack you if you're not doing nothing, if you're not growing in the faith. Let me just tell you that if you're walking in the faith and you, you, you're, you're obeying the things the Lord have you doing, that's when the enemy really attacks you with different type of uh, philosophies and different things like that. So let me back up to also... Satan will attack you if you're young at the faith as well. You're not growing, so you very easily to get influenced and led astray by false teaching. So I have to back up on that. It's both ways that the enemy can attack you. He will attack you if you're moving strong in the faith, and he will attack you if you're weak in the faith. In other words, he, he's almost nonstop. He's almost nonstop, you know, when he attacks you. But in this particular time, I don't know what was a... Position or a spirit rise of mind why they evidently Paul had to address it and they was getting somewhat influenced by these three different type of false teaching. Jewish legalism, uh, Greek philosophy, and pagan mysticism. Okay? Now, let's get into 18 to 29. I'm going to read Colossians 18 to 29. And before I started, I am a, I'm in a pretty secluded uh, area, but you might hear a, li a little loud cars or whatever like that. So I, I hopefully it's not as bad as being at the library. I'm going to tell you that now, but it is a little, you know, it's nighttime and it is a Friday. <laughs> so, you know, people get out, they party and stuff like that. So even through these type of walls, you might hear a little noise. I hope not, but you know, you leave a comment, comment if, if that happens. Okay. So let's get into this. Colossians. 18 to 29, okay? Remember, I stopped on 18, so you have to go back to the previous podcast to get, uh, uh, to follow, to catch back up what I'm, what I'm going to start off with today, to really get a ground floor of what was going on in the, uh, the book of Colossians. Now, remember, we still in uh, Colossians 1. We in Colossians verse one, but I'm at the 18th verse now. I'm not going to go to 18 to 29. If you go back to the last previous podcast, I did a second podcast. You'll notice I stopped at 18. Therefore, I'm going to begin at 18 on part three in the book of Colossians, which Colossians which should be 18 to 29. I'm going to try to uh, go to the 29th uh, First, okay, and I'm gonna end it there. If I don't make it, you know, we're gonna, um, we're gonna, I'm gonna piggyback where I left off at on the uh, Lois Wally the next show. But right now, I'm gonna try to go to 18 and 20, 29. I'm gonna be going pretty fast, but I'm gonna try to break down as much as I can and as much as I understand. Okay, all right. Before we get started, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for another opportunity. It's an awkward time now because where I'm at, Lord, but I feel you can work with me anytime, anytime, anywhere, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I give all the glory to you, and I just ask you, Father, to give me the utterance and understanding while I go along and try to teach my listeners of what's going on in your word. Let your word come alive, not me, Lord. Let the focus be on you, Lord, not myself, okay? Now, that's the first uh, address Paul had to make because of false teaching. The second address he 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 talked to, he mostly focused on the preeminence of Christ, the Christ being the head, 
the knowledge and the wisdom and the power of Christ, Christ preeminence, Christ deity. He dealt with them. So like I said, I don't, the book of Colossians is not a lot of rebuking book, like a lot of his books, like the first uh, first and second Corinthians. It's not a chastising as the old school is called, or it's not a rebuke because these are, they were standing up to the faith in his book. You know, they were standing and they was more mature. He's like just mostly helping them to grow and trying to get them to understand their position and who Christ is. So it's basically, that's the second address for them to grow, to know about the deity and the position and where Christ stands and the holiness and the wisdom and the knowledge of Christ, which every believer uh, needs to know. The third uh, address is the lifestyle, the different lifestyles that we must walk in, different things like that. So, and the other one was the love of Christ, you know, the Lord and uh, uh, examples of the love of the church. Those are some of the main uh, 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 main issues, not in a bad issue, that he was addressed, addressing in this book and everything like that, you know. I think the focus was on uh, from the beginning of the book. He mostly, he was dealing with your walking, the worthiness of Christ and stuff like that. So I think it has a certain order on purpose. What was on his mind first? I could be wrong, but those are the four different things, partially what Paul is dealing with in the book of Colossians. Like I say, it's not a rebuking book. It's not a chastisement book or correction book. It's more like a deity of Christ book and addressing them to get back in line, get back onto the belief they heard before. And don't get led astray by these false teachers from these three different uh, uh, false teachers that was coming coming their way. Okay, 18. Mm. Starts off, verse 18. This is where I left off at. And this is going to be very interesting what uh, our apostle talks about in this book. It's going to be certain uh, lingo and certain language that Paul, only Paul uses mm -hmm. in his letters. Certain things, certain ways Paul uses uh, his language or certain concepts and things he says that, that, that Peter or the 12 or the ones that has uh, books anyway, like Peter, James, and John, that do not, that does not use. They kind of coincide somewhat, but you know, when it comes to the gospel message and the main message of the resurrection or the cross, and uh, uh, Paul really hits home uh, to the Gentiles the difference between the church and what Peter now is teaching. Now, he doesn't say that in particular, but you have to connect the dots. And the only way you would know there's a difference in their teaching if you study the Bible and you connect the dots and you know what's going on, you know what audience Paul is talking to, and you understand how to rightly divide. Okay? Very important to study the Bible. Let's start with 18. Now, 18 reads, I'm going to start at 17. Christ, he is before all things. And by him, all things consist. Okay, now what they mean, all things consist, mean all things hold together. Okay? Christ is before all things. That means Christ was never born. There was never a, a birth with Christ. There was never a creation with Christ. Christ is God. He's the second of the triune, the Godhead. So Christ is before all things. That's what this verse is saying. And by him, all things 
consists. Remember, Christ is the creator of the earth. Christ created the heavens and the earth. Okay. Remember that. I talked about that in the last podcast. He's the creator. And by him, all things consist. By him, all things hold together. Consist means hold together. Now, if you have another translation, I prefer you have the King James, but if you don't, it's okay. If you have another translation, I'm sure it does not say consist. You know, it does not say consist, but it might say hold together or it might use another way. If it basically means the same thing, but a King James uses consist. So when you look at your Bible, you don't see consist. Don't look for consist if you have another translation. That's all I'm saying together. It's going to use something else. All right. Now, verse 18. And he, who is he? Christ is the head of the body, the church. Now, I don't have to elaborate on that. You know what that is. So I'm going to continue, continue to go on. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Now, don't get stuck on that firstborn. Remember, the verses above, what did it say? Christ was before all things. Now, I broke that down. It's no different in this verse. He said, Christ is the head of the body who was the beginning. That means he always been. Always remember that another translation might say it different, but the King James, you have to break it down like a dictionary. Who is the beginning? You got to use certain verses with each other. He is the beginning, meaning that he has always been. He is, I am. Okay? The firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. In other words, he will have... Preeminence means first place. Christ is first in everything. He was the first one from the dead. Father's a spiritual aspect of it, and he is before everything, you know, that was ever created. And everything is under him, and he is first in everything, okay? Let's go to 19. All right. Now, let's break down the Godhead, the power, and all of God. 19 said, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile keep up keep your uh thought on reconcile all things unto himself by him i say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven now let me go back and explain this okay all things for it pleased the father that in him should all the fullness dwell Okay, and 20 says, and having made peace through the blood of the cross. Now, it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Now, what all fullness should dwell in him? All the fullness of the Father, all the fullness of God is in the Son. It pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. So you get that. This is the triune right here. This is the Godhead. Remember, I'm going to keep, remember, excuse me, that I'm going to keep pointing out when Paul talks about the Father and the Son. And these are for the, the doubters and, uh, uh, you know, the doubters that doubt that there is a triune, there is a Godhead. And it's very kind of plain right here if you read the word of God literally. Now, the word of God will let you know when it's talking about it symbolically. If it is talking about something symbolically, you have to just do your research and start really connecting the dots. But when it's plain and simple like this, for it pleased the Father that in him, who is him, Jesus, should all fullness dwell. You know he's talking about two different deities, the Father and the Son, right? So it pleased the Father that his fullness dwells in Christ. Now, what that means? Christ is also all-powerful. Christ is also all-knowing. See? 
Christ is also everywhere, which means omnipresent. So Christ is all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's got the whole fullness of God within him. And that pleases God because what Christ done on the cross, let's go to 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Now, reconciliation. What happened? This is beautiful. What happened at the cross with the deity? The sacrificial uh, atonement of cross, uh, I mean of Christ on the cross, his resurrection, when he took all the world's sins. Now, I mean all the world's, not just the saved, contrary to some churches teach. He took everybody's sins. He paid for the penalty of everybody on this earth's sins at that time, past, present, and future. Okay, now, this wasn't revealed until later on to the Apostle Paul. It wasn't revealed to the Peter or the Twelve, and Jesus and his earthly ministry did not reveal it to them, uh, Peter uh, and the Twelve, either, because it wasn't part of their program. They was the one, they were supposed to go out into the Jews, see? Jesus knew that they was not, they was going to lose faith and not fulfill the Great Commission. The Great Commission was for the Jews and their Great Commission, the little flock. And they never fulfilled that because, you know, after the stoning of Stephen in Acts 7, they never made it no further. They just scattered. A lot of disciples scattered, but the Jews stayed because they knew what they had to do. Therefore, Jesus did not reveal this to them. He only revealed it to Paul. You know, he told them everything that's going to happen. He prepared, he, he, he told them prepare for the second coming and stuff like, stuff like that all through the blouse. He, he told them through parables, the Sermon on the Mount and different things, preparing them for his second coming and what, in, in, what for his second coming. He did not even reveal to them how he was going to die and on the cross and everything like that. God even kept that hidden to, from the 12, okay? So you have to really understand what's going on here. That's why I'm explaining everything. So this program that Paul is teaching was never for the 12. It was never for the Jews. You know, it was for the Gentiles. Jesus knew that because he's God. But he he talked like everything was going to happen right then, which it should have. It could have. If they obeyed, if the leaders of Israel obeyed, Jesus would have still been a sacrificial lamb. He would have died, resurrected. He would have came back and set up his kingdom. Who the Antichrist and all this would have been? I don't know. There's a lot of speculation on that. I don't know. But that still would have went through. God's plan would have never stopped. But Jesus knew it was going to be postponed because he's God. He knew already, but he continued to teach them. He continued to teach them. And I think a lot of that is because for our learning, for our sake. See, because a lot of people are confused. When Jesus was talking about you will see this, you will do this or whatever like that. Yes, he was talking at the present time. He was still letting them know this is going to happen, you know. But it, it also all it also depended on their belief. Not the little flock. They the ones believing them, but the leaders and the rest of Israel. See, the plan would have still went through. The setting up the kingdom, his return and everything, the Antichrist, all that, because that's the final chastisement that Israel had to go through. That's another teaching talking about the, uh, the five chastisements of, uh, of Israel because of their disobedience, you know. So 
but he still explained everything like it was going to happen. Okay. So that's why a lot of people are confused about that and everything like that. So therefore, when it was postponed, that program was cut short. It was postponed. Israel's program, the kingdom program. Many people call it the gap theory. You want to know what happened between that time. Why did it jump to Paul? Why is Paul's letters here and then Peter's letters there? That's what a lot of believers are confused about because they don't understand that gap period when the kingdom program was cut off. In other words, not annihilated. It was cut off. It was postponed because of their disobedience. The last draw when they stoned Stephen in Acts 7. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of you probably don't. But when... The program was postponed. Therefore, Paul, God came with the trump card, I like to call it. See, he already knew what he was going to do because he already, by him being all knowing, he knew that Israel was going to go out in disobedience and he was going to postpone their program and start a new program with the Gentiles. Now, the original program was for Israel to go out to the Gentiles to preach the kingdom of heaven. You follow me? That was the Great Commission. The Great Commission was cut short. Israel's program, the Great Commission, when Jesus told them to go out to the world, Mark 16 and 16, and other parts of Matthew, was the Great Commission. That was for the disciples to go out. The Great Commission was never fulfilled. It was postponed, okay? Never fulfilled. So people just call themselves doing the Great Commission today. No, that was for the Jews. Our program is the Ministry of Reconciliation. We are ambassadors. It has nothing to do with the kingdom program. So let me get back to this. I can, I can teach that all day long, but I'm, let me get back to this. So, and having made peace through the blood of the cross by him to reconcile all things to himself. When Jesus died on the cross, the whole fullness of what happened after the cross was revealed to Saul then, before he became Paul, Acts 13. It was revealed to Saul. See? Let me put it in a nutshell, very plain and simple. I told you I might not get a chance to finish this, go to two, because there's so much to explain. When Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross and he took all man's sins, when he said it is finished, in other words, it is complete. What's the completion? He's the final sacrifice. They will not have to sacrifice, you know, bulls and animals and stuff no more. Nobody. Now, the Gentiles never had to do that, but I'm just talking about there would be no more sacrificing and nothing. He's the final sacrifice. He's the final sacrifice, not only for the Jews, but for the world. But remember, everything had to go to the Jews. See, he was buried. Now, the ultimate, the only way that God, now God could do all things, but listen to what I'm saying, was able to reconcile himself back to the world. Remember, everybody walked in sin. Every, most everybody was destined to die if they didn't believe who Jesus was. That's Jews and Gentiles, but the Jews never made it to the Gentile nations. So everyone was under sin. Everyone was penalized with sin and the kingdom program. So I wouldn't put the term destined for, de destined for death or anything like that, but they had a condition or there was only one way to be saved. And they had to do that through believing who Jesus was with the baptism and everything like that. You know, for Israel, the, uh, the proselytes will have to do the same thing if they went out there to the Gentile nations. Okay, that's under the kingdom program. See, what started the unreconciliation, see, from Adam. When Adam sinned and Eve 
sin. Remember, there was fellowship with Adam, with God in the beginning, the first man created. But when they disobeyed and ate that fruit, that broke the record, that broke the fellowship when sin came. So God had to set them apart. See? So every person after that then was, was set in sin, was born in sin, and that lost the relationship spiritually with God and them. You follow what I'm saying then? So ever since Adam then, and all the way through this time, every person that ever lived was out of fellowship. They had no way to get close to God unless they had to go through Israel, you know, under the kingdom program. You understand what I'm saying? All right? Now, all the way up to Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection, very important to put emphasis on his resurrection. When he was resurrected, boom, he went to Paul. He finished. It was complete. The doors was open for the world, but it was still not revealed to the Jews or the twelve. Listen closely to what I'm saying. For you to understand Paul's teachings, I got to go through this. The doors was open after the resurrection of Christ. But the Israels did not understand. They, but Peter's eyes was finally open after the resurrection. You see, not before. They, it was hidden from them. They didn't know what was going on. You know, because God purposely kept it hidden. But after the resurrection, it was revealed to them, you know. Peter did say he preached something about the death, burial, resurrection, but not for salvation. He preached it because of indictment of the Jewish people killing their Messiah. See, he said Christ rose again, the one that rose again that's supposed to save us and come back for his kingdom. I'm paraphrasing. You killed your Savior. You killed our Messiah. What Messiah? The Jewish Messiah. King, you killed them. The one that you killed, he's the one that was resurrected and coming back. You killed your king. That's why they said, oh, no, 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 no. They heard about the king was coming. And they you know some of them were sincerely said, no, what must we do? Then? We done wrong. What must we do? And that's when Peter said, you must repent for the remission of sins. Be baptized in water, and then you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. That was the format all through the kingdom, start in early Acts and all that. That was the format when John came. You understand what I'm saying? That was the format what Israel had to do. But the fullness of the real meaning of what the fullness of what Christ went through, not what he went through, but what was uh, what really happened. And I like what Cersei said, Trey Cersei, one of my mentors says, the other side of the cross was revealed only to Saul then. The fullness, not to Peter now. See, they were straight out Jew, man. They was for that law, and they was good at it, too. They were strict on that law, because it had to be, you know. There was a lot of conditions with the law, obeying the law. So it was revealed to another law person. Remember, Saul was a Jew. He was born a Roman citizen, but he is a natural, his ethnicity is a Jew. You understand what I'm saying? So he got a taste of both of them. But his ethnicity is Jewish. You know, all right? You, you follow what I'm saying? So God went to Paul, went to Saul. Saul was a leader. I had to pause right there. I apologize, but I had to pause. Okay. Now, where was I? <laughs> okay. Verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him, 
Jesus Christ to reconcile all things unto himself. Now, let me backtrack. How was they, how could things be reconciled back to himself? First of all, when you go to 2 Corinthians 5 and 18, the word of God says, and Paul's teaching only, that was revealed only to Paul, remember? Revealed only to Paul. And this is one of Paul's earlier letters when he wasn't in prison. So he knew impartially, like I was talking about earlier, he only knew partially the revelation of Jesus Christ. Remember through the years, Year, it didn't happen overnight. Remember, you have to go to, uh, I think it was a, uh, well, I keep forgetting. <laughs> uh, Arabia, I believe. And uh, and I believe Jesus revealed a lot of things to him in the first three years. He was breaking that down in the book of Galatians. But anyway, the, uh, the Lord revealed quite a few things to Paul then, okay? It, it, in those three years, I believe. You know, many other great teachers believe that. Now, I don't know this for a fact, but because Paul did not explain why he had to go to Arabia for three years. He did not say that. So we, uh, this is just speculation. So when you hear somebody talk about that, this is just speculation. So, But I, my speculation is to believe that he just got things revealed to him for three years, okay? You know, some people believe because when Moses had to go up to the mountains, Paul had to go there as well. But that's speculation. I don't want to go that far, you know, but I can just speculate. And I don't like to speculate a lot, but many uh, grace believers believe that. Well, anyway, from that time on down, three years, you know, in the 17 years he talked about the book of Galatians when he was breaking it down until the end, until now, first and second Timothy, stuff like that. The Lord was revealing things continually to Paul. He was explaining it through his letters that God was revealing things to him or whatever like that. So compare, this is when he just was fully revealed. I believe he for everything that Jesus was revealing to him was really fulfilled in his letters, his uh post-prison letters when he was in prison. And he had time to get a lot of revelation because he was doing a lot of time, man, like we say today. So Jesus probably used that time to get so much revelation to Paul. He just he just had different people sending letters to these churches and everything because he couldn't go there personally. He always wished he was there physically. He talked about that, but he always reminded him he was there spiritually, remember? He was in prison. He, he used the term in chains. The King James Bible said in chains. That's the term Paul used. So therefore, that's why I say this is one of his more advanced when he, he somewhat had the fullness of the revelation of Christ. But what he's saying right there, when you go to 2 Corinthians uh, 5 and 18, it talks about God reconciled himself to the world. Okay, God reconciled himself to the world. Now, reading this, when, the, when it says right here, and you that we were sometimes ailing, no, I'm going too far. Okay, <clears throat> by him, okay, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, he opened up everything through the blood of his cross. That was a, that's a, that was a complete sacrifice, the final sacrifice and everything like that. That was the atonement. This is called the atonement. When Christ took on all, took on all the world's sins, past, present, and future, on Himself, not just the saved, the whole world. Period. Okay, that's how God was able uh, 
to reconcile himself to God was able to reconcile himself to the world because all the sins that was keeping him from reconciling himself to the world was on Christ now. See, you, you see the doors, you see the things opening up, everything. So God can see clearly because he had, he, there was no sins that he can call. He could not charge no one with sins no more because the sin issue was eternally dealt with through Christ for the world. Okay, this is what, see, you have to connect the dots. Reconciliation can only be fulfilled to God only because of what Christ done on the cross. If Christ didn't fulfill that, nobody, everybody be going to hell. Everybody. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the atonement of Jesus Christ, after that, God reconciled himself back. He became fellowship from the, ever since the beginning of Adam and everything like that. Now, he reconciled himself back. Now, the only way that we could be reconciled or anybody else could be reconciled back to him is believing what his son done. You understand what I'm saying? So let me, let me get ahead. Of, or, you know, that's the best way I can explain it. So 20, having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So heaven and earth is being reconciled back to God, reconciled God, reconciled himself back to heaven and earth. You notice the emphasis on heaven and earth. They always use heaven on earth, not heavens, plural, heaven and earth. Okay, just keep that in mind. Verse 21. And you that were sometime now, this is the condition that we was in. Now I'm saying we because this condition, uh, this this condition relates to all Gentiles, past, present, and future. Because without the atonement, we'll be affected by that too as a Gentile, you know. But so that's why when Paul said, "And you," he's talking to the body of Christ. But at the same time, that you means everybody. See. Even even though he's talking to the body of Christ, they wouldn't have had that chance if Christ didn't do what he was doing, his reconciling, his reconciliation. But the church, the ones that's believers, that he, the ones he's talking to, they are reconciled back to God now. Right? Why? Because they believed it. So he's just giving them a little back history how they used to be. All right. Verse 21. And you, you as in Gentiles, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind, had enemy in your mind, enemies in your mind by wicked, wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. You see? It's self-explanatory. Used to be enemies in your mind, in his in your mind, you used to be uh pagans. They, uh, the Jews used to call them the uncircumcised. Remember I talked about that? When the Bible and the King James talk about the uncircumcised, it means the Gentile nation, then the circumcised means the Jews. Because the Jews were circumcised, and that was the requirement for them after the eighth day of birth, under the, the covenant, under the law. But that was never for the pagan Gentiles, the heathen, the uncircumcision, because they was never, un never under no covenant. It's going to explain it going on down the line. I'm getting ahead of myself. And you that were sometimes, in other words, you used to be, to make it plainly. King James said, and you that were sometimes, all this is said, and you that used to be alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. He said, you used to be enemies in your mind by wicked works, but now you have been reconciled. 
Now, how would they be reconciled? Because they believe what Jesus done after the cross, his resurrection. They believe what Jesus did. Now, who he was, they was reconciled because they believe what Jesus did. Okay? All right. Let's go to Ephesians uh, 2 and 12. Let's go to a little reference here. Ephesians 2 and 12. I might have used this, read this in the last podcast. I don't remember. But let's go to Ephesians 2 and 12. All right. Okay. It reads in Ephesians 2 and 12. All right. Uh, that at that time, he's talking about the same issue. It was just another, this is just a cross reference proving the point. That at that time, you were with Christ, without Christ, excuse me, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Now, the church believers today used to read that like it's individually talking to you individually. No, it's talking to the nation, the alien nation, which was the Gentile nations. It's very important to understand that. You go to 11. This is Ephesians 2 and 11. Let me read in context so you know where I'm going, so it can add up to the ones in Colossians. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past, Gentiles and the flesh who are called the uncircumcision. Remember I talked about that when I was explaining, you know, when you hear the term uncircumcision, they're talking about the Gentiles because they wasn't required to be circumcised. That was a bad name for the Gentiles, the uncircumcised. Remember King David called the giant uh, Goliath, you uncircumcised Philistine? How could you curse God, you uncircumcised? That was a bad name for anyone that was not circumcised, was a Jew. Okay, uncircumcision. So let me continue. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past, or used to be, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by, by that which is called the circumcision. In other words, by them which is circumcised, in the flesh made by hands. What do we mean in the flesh made by hands? It was a physical circumcision. They had to physically, in their... Uh, their anatomy, which is their penis, males had to get their skin cut off to prove that they was part of the covenant. Without that, they wasn't part of it, you know. So that's what I mean by flesh. It was a fleshly circumcision, okay? Now, let's go to 12 now. That at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. What was the covenants of promise? Anybody know? Just think about what was the covenants of promise? The law. See, the law. What also came with the law? Hmm? Blessings, but also curses came with the law. So that's what they name the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. See, the Gentiles had no place. Gentiles had no covenant. They had no promises. They had no hope because they was without God in the world. See? You understand this. Now you can see how the impact what Christ done made for the Gentiles. But before that, the only way Gentiles would have been able to be saved, Israel would have had to go out there and they had to be under the law and they had to be proselyted in. That's another teaching in itself. Proselyte means they just became part of the Jewish nation and they had to do certain rituals. They had to just follow the same things the Jews. They had to be proselyted. So the, God never gave up on the Gentiles, but it was just more tougher to them to be brought into this covenant and stuff like that and everything. But the Jews had to go out there, but they never made it because there, that, that plan was postponed. Time is running out. Okay, I told y'all I might not be able to finish this. I just make up another. Okay.
So let's go back to Colossians. All right. I just wanted to get that out there. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Okay, so let's go back to 21. That's what that was the reference of 21. Ephesians 2 and 12 and Colossians 1 and 21. So when you go to Colossians 20, 21 or Ephesians, it should have, if you got a King James Bible or a good Bible, you know, it should have that references. You know, references is important, but references, reference, a lot of references when you're lining up, trying to write the Bible, the Word of God does not go together sometimes, so you got to be careful. All right, you was... Uh, and you that were sometimes 21 alienated, I'm back in Colossians, that Colossians uh, 1 and 21. And you that were sometimes, or you used to be, alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked words, yet now hath he reconciled. Now, he ain't talking about every Gentile was reconciled. It's just the ones that believe what Jesus did. So he just, you know, talking to what happened to the believers after they believed they were reconciled. Now, 22. You was reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameable and unreprovable in his sight. I'm going to finish right here and I'm going to get back to this. Now, what else happened? See, that's what I love about Colossians. What What else happened after the cross? Now, all of this is the other side of the cross. The kingdom program when Jesus is on earth is one side of the cross. His resurrection is... His his life was that's one side of the cross before this, and then on the other side is the fullness of what Christ done. See what when Jesus was walking this earth with Israel and the kingdom, none of this stuff applied to the Gentiles. They only had one way to get close to the Jews. The Jews had to get out to the nations and preach the kingdom. This only way this could be fulfilled, Jesus had to resurrect. Not it was he had to get past just his death and his burial, his resurrection. By his resurrection, all the, the doors opened for the Gentiles. Not before. It was after his resurrection. Okay? All right. Now, yet now hath he reconciled, he brought back together in the body of his flesh through death to present you, you who? Gentiles, but he's talking to the body of Christ, but Gentiles, holy and unblameable, you know what unblameable means, and unreprovable and his sight. Okay? Unreprovable. All right? Unreprovable. Look at unreprovable like this. It's See, see how the, uh, the King James interpreted itself as like a dictionary? Unblameable and unreprovable is basically almost the same meaning. You're blameless. No one can charge you with anything spiritually, not physically, because you can still get charged spiritually. There's nothing counted against you. There's nothing that can be censored against you. In other words, you're unreprovable. Reprove means the opposite. Those things can go against you. You have been reproved, but when you're unreprovable, those things cannot be counted against you. You follow what I'm saying, okay? And I'm gonna start right there. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, on my next one, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave back where I left off at, and we're gonna continue from there. But I, because of time constraints, my time is running out. We'll get back to that. This is Joseph Brownlee of Connecting the Dots, teaching out of the book of Colossians. When I continue and piggyback to, to you all, I'll be starting at Colossians 1 and 22, where I left off at. Okay? God bless you all. Until then, I love you all. Peace out. Bye-bye.